if I can't take an avalanche course on a snowmobile as a guide, like that means the public definitely can. It's like, yeah, this is how snowmobilers think and this is how we engage the terrain and this is a very repeatable process that we can use and actually apply. We're not skiers that, you know, just decided to start teaching snowmobilers and we relate with the culture like that is our culture. And so we're just really happy that, you know, we have something that we think is so useful to everybody in our industry. Hey, this is Matt. And this is Will. And you're listening to the Avalanche Hour podcast. For tuned in to another episode of the Avalanche Hour podcast. I'm your guest host, Kelly McNeil. The Avalanche Hour podcast is proudly presented by MND Safety, a global leader in avalanche hazard management, and our good friends at Ten Barrel Brewing, drink beer outside, with additional support from Interwest Insurance. The goal of this podcast is to create a stronger community through the sharing of stories, knowledge, and news amongst people who have a curious fascination with avalanches. Hello, listeners, and thanks again for tuning in. We really appreciate your continued support. We have a fun episode today with Matt Shabam and Will Mook, the owners and operators of the Mountain Riding Lab. Mountain Riding Lab is an ARI certified provider which delivers motorized specific avalanche education and skills training. Matt, Will, and I talk about their experience as snowmobile guides, avalanche educators, and business owners. We talk specifics of motorized avalanche education and outreach. Matt and Will are fun, energetic, and some amazing individuals who are out there educating hundreds of snowmobilers each year. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I enjoyed talking to them both. Good evening, Matt and Will. Thank you both so much for taking the time to be on the podcast this evening. I was hoping that we could start our conversation with your background and your journey, and really what has kind of happened in your life to bring you to where you are today. Matt, would you like to go ahead and start for us? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Matt Shebaum, and uh, I'm a snowmobile avalanche educator from Jackson, Wyoming. Um, but my journey started quite a long time ago, um, back as a teenager in upstate New York. So um, originally from the East Coast. <clears throat> um, upstate New York is pretty famous for getting a lot of snow, um, but it's pretty flat there. Um, so I kind of, I got my start skiing and snowboarding around the Catskills and the Adirondacks in Vermont. Um, and that's kind of where I fell in love with snow sports. Um, and, you know, the mountains that we did have, um, I thought were pretty cool. I'd never really been out West yet. And then, um, when I made it to, well, through like grade school and middle school, um, I skied and snowboarded a lot and, you know, was on the, the snowboard team, um, ski clubs and things like that. And then, um, kind of got out of that organized realm and in high school discovered snowmobiles um 
and kind of got into that as my winter sport of choice. Um, it was obviously a little different. We weren't really riding mountains or lift access or anything like that. The East coast is mainly made up of a system of trails. And, um, but what really drew me to that sport, um, at the time when I was, you know, 17 years old, um, was kind of just like the sense of freedom that a snowmobile could give you to kind of just get out, um, you know, in the woods, in the fields, away from town, um, you know, just kind of away from everything. It was kind of just a new way to explore the part of the country I lived in. Um, and, you know, obviously it combined my love of snow, um, you know, with that kind of sense of freedom. So that's kind of when I got hooked on snowmobiles and, um, it wasn't until after college that, um, I came out West and started experiencing what, the Western mountains were like. Um, so as soon as I could, I basically moved, uh, out to the mountains to try to combine, you know, snowmobiling and big mountains and, and see what that was all about. Uh, because I remember, you know, reading about and looking at pictures about what everybody did out West in these big mountains and deep snow. And, um, you know, it was like hard for me to imagine, you know, what it was like, um, so I was definitely drawn to the Western mountains. Um, and so I first, um, lived in Steamboat Springs, Colorado for three winters. And that's where I kind of was introduced to the world of, uh, like snowmobile guiding, you know, the organized kind of, um, guiding operations. It was definitely more of a tourist based, um, trail type operation, but, I was able to get out on my days off and, you know, start to learn how to ride in the backcountry. And so that was about 2009. Um, I was in my twenties and, you know, it's been a pretty long journey since then. Like I look back at the first year I was snowmobiling in the mountains and um, sometimes it just makes me cringe about some of the things that I didn't know that I didn't know about, riding in the backcountry. So, um, yeah, it was kind of, you know, but, but that was a great opportunity co to combine everything I loved, you know, living around the mountains in a mountain town with snow and snowmobiling and, um, really learning this new sport, you know, because riding snowmobiling in the mountains is totally different than anything else. You know, it's almost not the same sport as it was back East. And so it was like a whole new, challenge and and thing to learn that you know there was no easy path to become good at snowmobiling in the mountains so it was really challenging and really addicting so i would say my path to becoming an avalanche educator you know just started as being a mountain snowmobiler and a guide um but it took many more years after you know i'd say my first year where i was employed as a guide to where i actually um, progressed to the point where I was guiding people in the backcountry, doing the type of riding that everybody wants to do and, and sees now. Um, and I knew that I had to learn more about avalanches in order to be a good guide. Um, and so 
you know, that's where it started. It started um, from the guiding world and um, has progressed to where I guide less to not at all these days and focus just on, um, you know, teaching motorized courses and trying to, to spread the motorized presence around the industry um, and, and get to that professional level as a motorized avalanche professional. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Will, would you like to share with us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I actually grew up in the state of Maine on the coast. Um, I grew up working for my father, who owns an oyster farm uh, in like mid coast Maine. And uh, Maine actually has some pretty awesome mountains. And I, my love for kind of snow sports and snowboarding started at a very young age. I started skiing when I was like two with my family. Um, oyster farming isn't real involved with it now it is in the winter time. Um, so my dad would have time off in the, in the winter and our, as a whole family, we'd go skiing and, uh, switched over to snowboarding when I was probably six years old. And, uh, yeah, it was always a, a main passion for me for sure in the winter time. Um, anytime it'd snow at Sugarloaf mountain, I would, I would try to be up there skipping school and stuff. Um, after I graduated high school in Maine, I, I went to college in upstate New York at uh, St. Lawrence University and um, studied conservation biology, kind of with this idea that one day I'd go back and take over the family business and continue to be an um, oyster farmer. Um, and while I was in college, uh, I got exposed to their outdoor program, which is a really cool program. Um, where you got to become a guide for the school. And that was kind of like your student employment where um, after passing a semester long course and then some more training, you could lead student trips and get paid to do it. Um, and I was a big whitewater kayaker at the time. So my, my focus was in whitewater boating and then in the wintertime um, backcountry snowboarding. And so I think it was my sophomore year as a part of that outdoor program, I got offered to take it was actually for credit, um, a level one that was actually, I kind of would call it a 1.5. It was like a six day course on snow, um, and in, in the class. And it was really cool. We did a lot of snow science, a lot of terrain evaluation. And, um, I had two great instructors, um, the director of the outdoor program, Phil Royce and, uh, the assistant director, Dan McDonald. And we actually came out to Jackson for that course and skiing and snowboarding in the Tetons and had a, just an absolute blast doing it. And uh, yeah, after that course, did some course leading in, in uh, the Adirondack Mountains in the high peaks doing uh, yurt trips and stuff like that. And uh, kind of towards the end of my, my college years, the assistant director is like, Will, you got to you got to go out West and like spend a, spend a year living in Jackson. Like I did it after college. It was so fun. Like you, you won't regret it. Uh, I got this contact. She's running Togadu mountain lodge right now. Um, I can put you guys in touch and see if they're hiring any guides. He's like, it's a ton of work, but you make good money and you meet awesome people. And it's just going to be a really fun way to be out West. And so I kind of talked to my family and my dad was like, yeah, get out of Maine, like go see something else before you come back and choose to settle in Maine. And so right after college, I moved out to Jackson in 2012 and snowmobiling 
prior to that had always just been like in, in Maine, there's a big snowmobiling culture, but I was never very involved with it. Cause for me, snowmobiling was like hop on and like pin it across the lake. See if you can hit hundred miles an hour. And that kind of gets old after a little bit personally. And I, I just wasn't, I was more into powder and like, I could get that on a snowboard in Maine. Um, but I, I couldn't really on a snowmobile. So, um, yeah. So when I started at Togedy mountain lodge in 2012, it was like one of our first guide training sessions. Um, we all had mountain sleds and we went out and rode and there was some really good powder. And I started to get a feel for what it was like to ride a mountain sled. And I was like, Oh my God, this is a totally different sport. This isn't snowmobiling. Like I know it. Um, this is like snowboarding times 10. It's way more fun. And you know, like part of my drive to move to Jackson was to snowboard a bunch. And I found myself as I progressed as a guide to snowboarding less and less and less. And, um, for instance, today was my first day on a snowboard this year, uh, February 12th or whatever it is today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, anytime I could, I I started as a trail guide because like, that's where you kind of get your, your training wheels taken off eventually. And, um, any day off, I would go shadow one of the senior guides and go learn the terrain and get, you know, progress in my riding skills. And, um, yeah, Togedy Mountain Lodge was an awesome place to kind of cut my teeth and like get a lot of time riding sleds and like getting comfortable. And, um, it was, it was a fun journey. And now I can honestly say that like I live for winters just to be on a snowmobile. I don't really care about snowboarding anymore. Um, yeah. And so, kind of early on in my guiding career, I had that level one, but you know, it, I found like at the age I took that level one, it didn't really sink in that much. Um, I felt like I learned a lot, but I kind of forgot a lot as well. And in that professional setting, I just felt like I was undereducated to be, I was at that point leading trips off trail, you know, in avalanche terrain. Um, and so I, I had really good mentors who taught me how to manage my group and like how to choose appropriate zones and where to go for certain days. But I still felt like I was lacking in the formal avalanche education sector. And so, um, started just trying to seek out opportunities to take avalanche courses. And it basically led to me strapping on a snowboard again to go take formal avalanche courses. And I was like, Jesus, if I can't, if I can't take an avalanche course on a snowmobile as a guide, like that means the public definitely can't. And, I just thought that it was a huge um, void in our industry. And so kind of kept talking with a mentor of mine, Jake Urban, who taught a lot of my like medical training and my avalanche training on, on a snowboard. And he was like, you know, I think Aerie um, is going to be coming out with a motorized curriculum. They're working on it right now. If you want me to put you in touch with um, the guy who's kind of spearheading that, um, just let me know. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to be a part of it. And so I kind of just started down this road of becoming an area instructor, which was a, a long process. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of awesome hoops to jump through, but it wasn't like after one season I could go teach avalanche courses. Um, so I kind of kept guiding and then also taking a week or two off a season to go, uh, work on my professional training and, um, finally got to a point where we had the training and the certifications to, um, start our company. And that's when I became an avalanche, um, educator for, for a career in the wintertime, at least. Excellent. Um, so 
now that you kind of brought that up, Will, your guys' company, so I think it would be really great to talk about, you know, I mean, the reason you're on here is because you guys have this amazing company that educates snowmobilers, you know, throughout the winter. So if um, you guys wouldn't mind talking about kind of how you guys met and connected and started kind of evolving this idea and then um, what, where it is now and how that all happened. Um, Will, you want to keep going with that and then? Yeah, that's that. actually a, a, a great story. So um, Matt and I both showed up at Togedy Mountain Lodge for day one guide training. <laughs> and we actually threw, when Matt was a guide in Steamboat, we had a college buddy, a mutual friend who also guided with Matt in Steamboat. And he was like, hey, keep your eyes open for this guy, Matt. I think he's going to be guiding at Togedy. And um, so, yeah, we met day one and um, became good buddies. And to the point where we both lived in Jackson, where like a lot of Togedy guides lived up on the mountain and like employee housing. Um, but we both lived in Jackson, commuted every day. And so we both um it got to the point where we were sick of putting a lot of miles in our trucks and so we came up with this great idea that we'd spend a thousand dollars as the max budget we would find a car that we didn't care about putting miles on and that would be our commuter car for the season so we'd split it every year and so matt and i spent like you know almost 100 days a season together driving the hour back and then the hour forth you know to and from togedy mountain lodge and that's kind of where we started really expressing our frustrations with like not being able to find avalanche training um, as guides and kind of came up with the idea like, damn, it'd be really sweet if we could just become avalanche instructors. And then maybe one day, you know, offer these courses to a lot of these clients who we've been guiding. Like um, it seems like there's a huge market for it. Like there's the mountain snowmobiling industry is growing and growing and growing. And there's nobody really filling that role. And, um, I, I know, I think Matt is in the same boat, but like for me guiding, um, what I enjoyed the most out of guiding was teaching my clients and like giving them something after their three to five day trip out West, like skills that they could then work on and then come back the next year and improve upon. And so like the teaching aspect was always kind of what made me passionate about guiding. And so I found like teaching avalanche courses was a great way to kind of fulfill that teaching goal without being so abusive on my body because when you ride <laughs> when you guide mountains mountain snowmobiling you know seven days a week for two to three weeks on end like your body just starts to fall apart and i do it wouldn't be sustainable into my late 30s at least you know um yeah so you know over lots of car rides to and from togety a couple nights at the bar drinking old fashions we kind of hashed out this business model and and kind of a path to get our training and, and start the mountain riding lab. And that's kind of where it was born. Excellent. So after, after you kind of got the idea, then Matt, what was kind of the next steps? What, what happened from there? Um, it was, yeah, it was definitely just step by step. Um, I, you know, Will mentioned uh, the fact that we kind of got put in touch with Ari from the beginning. And so I think there was a little bit of luck in the timing. Um, you know, we were thinking these things on those car rides, like, you know, there needs to be a motorized specific curriculum and like, who, you know, is there anybody out there that's doing this? And like, luckily we had just enough contacts that, um, and timing around, you know, 2000, I guess 2015 or so. Um, that we were able to kind of get in at the ground floor 
um, with the Airy motorized curriculum. And, you know, there's a few people there that really got that off the ground and we came in kind of like in step two. Um, and so, you know, just networking a little bit and, and getting in touch with those people, it was, um, kind of exactly what we were looking for. You know, it was, um, not just a typical avalanche class done with a different mode of travel. Um, it was a curriculum built for the way that snowmobilers engage, um, and so it made a lot of sense to us and we were put in touch with the right people and we were kind of able to be with the curriculum and the courses as they progressed and grew. Um, so it really allowed us to kind of just settle into, you know, what we thought was a great place to start um, and, and start, you know, diving into it. Um, so basically, you know, we got introduced to the area curriculum in general, um, just the idea of becoming an avalanche professional and wrapping our heads around what it takes to, um, you know, get to that level. And so we went out to Lake Tahoe for the second ever airy. Well, I think some people are calling it the first now. Um, is there, they're actually, I know Duncan and Jeff were calling the, the course that just happened, the second ever motorized instructor training course. So I guess that puts us in the first, which was years ago back in Lake Tahoe. And that was an interesting one because the curriculum was so new um, it was this great mix of, you know, guides and just people in the industry, um, from all over the country that, you know, the idea was just like, we got to start somewhere. So let's find 10, 12 people that might take this somewhere and can use it. Um, and I, you know, I think it was one of the first times that they even kind of introduced the curriculum. So that's where we met, um, Travis Feist and Duncan Lee and you know quite a few other people that still are instructors and um some people that we kind of you know consider our mentors and part of our snowmobile avalanche family um so yeah we started out um by heading out to lake tahoe for an instructor training course and you know that one was pretty crazy so will and i were you know loaded up our sleds on the sled deck in the truck together drove 12 hours from wyoming to california and we got in over the pass in the South Lake Tahoe during a huge snowstorm, they, they closed the pass behind us. And for the next five days, there was no way in and out of Lake Tahoe. It snowed like eight to 10 feet or something. Um, so, you know, we were, we, it was our first time with snowmobiles in Lake Tahoe and we're, you know, taking this instructor training course and it's just dumping and there's no way in and out of town we couldn't even get to our first field location, um, for like three days. So, um, but you know, it was a great experience. And so, um, that's where we introduced to, you know, I guess I'm going to consider the godfather of the snowmobile avalanche curriculum, Travis Feist. Um, so we were introduced to, um, you know, what this was all about and, and he really got the area curriculum off the ground and then, um, you know, we just, I guess, started trying to figure out what we had to do next. And it was always just kind of another box to check. And it, and it really 
made it clear that it's, you know, not an easy process. That it's a very serious thing um, that you need to set as a goal. And um, so we came back to Jackson, like Will said, started, you know, kept guiding for a couple more years. Um, we started talking about it, though, with other guides and our clients and kind of starting to just spread the word like, hey, there's, you know, we need to talk about avalanches more, more as a culture. Um, and so I think, you know, as we were getting our training and our education, we just started trying to spread the awareness, you know, with the idea that, you know, we want to be able to offer these certified and, um, you know, formal courses, but we still had a couple more steps to go. Um, but, you know, at the time there weren't too many people talking about it. So I think, you know, what we really started with doing was just talking about with our clients and, you know, they're like, Hey, you know, you're different than our guide we had last year. Cause our guide last year, you know, didn't even talk about avalanches or um, we weren't even sure, you know, what's safe and what's not. And so that's where I think we sort of started to feel out just the culture in the industry um, and realized that we had a lot of work to do, just raising the awareness and, getting people to understand the dangers and what they're up against and um, realizing what they don't know. And, um, and, and then telling them like, Hey, well, you know, there's ways that you can find out more about avalanche safety. Cause you know, we all, you know, and, and at the time there's snowmobilers dying um, all over the country. And, and it was like, I kind of realized that, you know, a lot of snowmobilers didn't realize what, why they were dying or like thought it was just this, you know, freak phenomenon that happens and you get unlucky or something and there's nothing you can do about it. And so I'd say, you know, obviously we weren't the first people to, to start talking about this or, or try to start educating snowmobilers. But even when we got into it in 2015, like we were starting from zero, um, you know, up until the point where we were able to become instructors and providers and start the mountain riding lab and, you know, wait a whole year to get our forest service permits and shop around for insurance and, and figure out how to do all this. Like we were that, you know, there was all that. And then we had to actually convince people to take an avalanche course. And that was not easy either um and so you know i remember talking with will like we had all these kind of milestones we're like cool we just accomplished this we became instructors and then we just um started a business and now we're an airy provider and you know we would have these little celebratory moments where we feel like we reached a milestone but then immediately there was another challenge ahead <laughs> and that's what i've realized about you know, I guess starting a business or anything, becoming an avalanche professional is it just never stops. Um, and so you just need to enjoy the journey. But I mean, I say, you know, we started, we started from zero. It was like, Hey, um, you know, you guys should take an avalanche course this winter and learn how to stay safe. So, you know, hopefully you don't become a statistic. And it was like, yeah, maybe, you know, I think we'd rather just go riding you know, why, why should we take an avalanche course? And it was like, man, now, you know, now we got to convince people why, you know, that's like a whole marketing problem in itself. And, you know, a, a sociological experiment um, that 
we had to take on. So, um, you know, I think it was, it was 2017 that we finally started the mountain riding lab, um, and offered some courses. And I think our first, um, level one, we had three people in it and they were like friends that we convinced to take the course. Um, so it was a slow start, but, um, we were pretty pumped about it to at least get it off the ground. Yeah. I mean, this, what a great story. And it brings up so many other questions that I have for you guys. Um, the first one is what kind of changes have you seen to the area curriculum as the motorized curriculum develops over time? So from that 2015, when you guys took the instructor training course, what, what have you seen change since then? Um, I think so at the time when, the motorized curriculum was introduced. Um, this was before uh, kind of the pro rec split in the industry. And um, the airy curriculum was very non-motorized or human powered based. Um, and so the motorized curriculum was kind of this whole separate entity. Um, and it was very simplified, um, you know, to honestly, full circle, you know, five, six years later, I feel like the area curriculum has non-motorized and motorized curriculum has kind of met in the middle. And it sort of looks a lot like the motorized curriculum was back when it was first introduced. Um, so they were very separate at the beginning. Like I said, it was kind of before the pro rec split. Um, but the motorized curriculum is very similar to what it was, um, five, six years ago. And I think it's, it's just been enhanced and, um, it's been polished and there's, you know, there's a lot more detail, but it still kind of keeps that, you know, when it was first introduced, it was very similar to the airy framework as it is now that the entire curriculum motorized or not is based around. And so, that's been awesome because that's what really made sense to us when we were first introduced. It's like, yeah, this is how snowmobilers think and this is how we engage the terrain. And this is a very repeatable process that we can use and actually apply um, when we're riding. And, you know, luckily the rest of it has used a lot of that to where now, you know, the area curriculum is essentially the same no matter what you're using, but it applies to every mode of travel. You know, the airy framework is so universal, but it's the motorized curriculum was never very different from that. Um, so it's just been great because to, to see where the airy framework outline for the curriculum is now is really um, where we started with it. And that's how we were introduced. Um, and it's so you know, the people at the folks at area that have developed it, um, have just done such a great job of making, you know, every part of it apply fully to motorized and just as useful, you know, to, to non-motorized where, you know, we can share field books, we can, you know, basically share course outlines, but the mode of travel is so different. And so it's, it's really, I mean, it's a genius, um, curriculum in, in my eyes, um, as far as how 
how it's set up to instruct and then how applicable it is from for the students and you know it's really important to us that hardcore snowmobilers like ourselves um can can use it you know you know our motto is you know for riders by riders like we're not we're not skiers that you know just decided to start teaching snowmobilers and um you know we relate with the culture like that is our culture and so we're just really happy that you know we have something that we think is so useful to everybody in our industry yeah absolutely matt you also mentioned um like the culture in the industry when you first started um so you know snowmobilers not maybe even knowing they're having avalanche terrain or whatever that may be um so I was wondering if either of you would like to speak to that cultural and industry shift that you've seen since you were guiding at Togedy to now where you're at in with your company. Yeah, go ahead, Will. Cultural shift. Felt like over the last five years, um, there's been kind of this like wave building. And right now it's like kind of, it's peaked and now it's crashing down and, and like the snowmobiling community is seeking out taking avalanche courses like we've seen that whether we're following threads on social media or just through signups in our courses and talking to other motorized providers um like matt said like our first couple of years we'd have three to six students who we had to like beg to take our courses um this year every one of our courses has been sold out with a wait list and that's even been a drastic jump just from last year and um, I, I think there's just kind of the, the culture had seen enough death finally. And I think Airy and some awesome brands in the industry like Climb, um, BCA, um, a lot of these organizations and companies are like are pushing the importance of taking formal avalanche courses so that you can enjoy this awesome sport and then do it again the next day, you know. And I, I think um, after seeing some, some major, you know, kind of ground shattering uh, deaths in our industry, I think people realized that like, wow, if it happened to them, why couldn't it happen to me? Like, what am I missing here? Um, and I think it's just finally like been shoved in the community, the snowmobiling community's face enough that they're like, okay, this is something that I need to prioritize. Like, when I'm laying out my budget for the year for what I'm going to spend on my sport of snowmobiling, it's like, I need to set aside $500 to go take a level one. Um, I need to set aside 150 bucks to go take my rescue course. Like I need to learn these skills. Um, because for a long time, I think snowmobilers just felt like they had so much experiential education. And, and that's true. Like a lot of these guys in our industry have been doing it for decades and it's awesome. And, you know, they've, they've been with this, this sport since, um, since snowmobiles could barely even get off trail without getting stuck. And I think for a long time, they just thought like, well, I've been doing this forever and I haven't gotten killed. Like, why do I have to spend money on an avalanche course, you know? And then um, a couple key people in the industry and, you know, peers who um, very tragically have passed, you know, and who had decades and decades of experience. I think the public seeing those accidents has kind of made them realize, well, like, holy crap, they were a pro rider. They've been riding for decades in the mountains and they just got killed in an avalanche. Like 
maybe it is this combination of experiential education as well as formal education. Um, and that's something I'd kind of like to add about Aerie that like Matt was kind of hitting on is that when that curriculum first came out, it was an awesome foundation. It was a really good course. But the, the cool thing about Aerie is that it is an organization where if you were to total all of the people involved in Aerie's experiential years in avalanche train, I mean, it'd go centuries. And so Aerie brings all of that experience together and boils it down and comes up with a curriculum and then it goes back in for review. And then a year later it comes out as one product and then it gets, you know, debriefed again. And, and like, it's been really cool over the last five years to see how that's progressed to make it not only trans translatable to students and like how to make it uh, effective, but also for providers like Matt and I, um, we now have all these resources, like they've developed a field book just for us. They, you know, they've developed slideshows just for us. They, you know, it's been this culmination of amazing resources to, to put out this product that really makes sense to the, the snowmobiling community. And like when students leave our courses, they may have been riding for decades in the mountains, or maybe they just bought a slide and they're getting into it, but they're going to leave one of an area, you know, any area course. Um, a, ability to make good decisions out in the out in the mountains and you know they're, they're getting like they're making good decisions i think that's a really important thing to take home yeah absolutely i mean i think that that the constant evolution and reaching out to different groups um is a really important part of the whole process um and it's really really cool that you guys kind of saw that and then went for it. And now you have this amazing product that people are seeking out um, consistently. I am, I'm really interested of how you guys came up with the name. Where Ooh. did the Mountain Riding Lab come from? Our, hundreds of hours in a 1993 <laughs> Audi driving back and forth from Togedy to Jackson. Um, well, Mountain Riding Lab, Actually, well, I think that one was... Um, was that local drinking old fashions, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that one was over some whiskey on it was. one night. You're right. You're right. Yeah, well, so mountain riding, like, that's what we do, right? And really, the, the word that, like, you know, we didn't want to be an institute. We didn't want to be a school. Because all of those are kind of nerdy things. And we kind of, like, look back at... <laughs> um our training and our our education throughout you know grade school through college we were like when did we learn the most and like when when did we have the most fun engaging as students and it was like well it was in lab it was like when we were in science courses doing things with our hands and like actually learning hands-on not sitting in front of a, a projector um you know learning about theories and stuff and we like kind of made some gross generalizations about the, the snowmobiling community and including ourselves in that community. And, you know, snowmobilers are hands-on learners. Like you can't just be talked at and then leave a, a course thinking, you know, everything about avalanches. You need to go put your hands in the snow. You need to get on the snow. You need to like, when you're doing rescue, you can't just talk through the steps. You got to actually go dig in the snow and do it. And I think that's true for skiers too. But, um, you know, so lab really, came from the, the hands-on portion that we wanted to um, really, really thrive on and like, and motivate people to get out of the dealership and get on snow. If you actually want to learn these skills to, to stay safe. 
Excellent. <laughs> so what does a typical winter look like for the um, Mountain Riding Lab now? So how about how many courses, types of courses, and then what else do you do you guys do besides just um, just the avalanche courses? Where do you, you expand beyond that? Well, it's been it's been different every winter since we started. Um, when we first started instructing courses, we fit a, you know I think we did two or three courses uh, our first winter, and we just kind of snuck them in um, on days where we weren't. So we got courses and at the time we were still guiding full time at Toby Mountain Lodge. And we just said we had to take these days off from working and we were going to go do something else. Um, and I think, you know, for another year or two, we were still kind of snowmobile guiding full time and then, you know, trying to schedule a few more courses in. And then I think it was, you know, within the last three years, um, you know, we got up to where we were scheduling, you know, eight to 10 courses a winter, um, you know, probably like two or three of them a month, um, from December to March. And we, we realized like three years ago that it's like, if we're going to pull this off and if we're going to give the energy that we need to, you know, we need to stop guiding full time and we need to be able to do this, um, avalanche thing. So, I think, you know, there was a leap about three years ago where we went from, you know, guiding seven days a week and then working, you know, taking three days off to teach a level one and then going right back to guiding and getting totally burnt out to where, you know, like three winters ago, we were like, huh, we might be able to actually just focus on this this winter. Um hopefully we can pay some bills and if we can't we can always go guide for a couple more days and make a little bit of money to pay the bills or something but you know we need to jump into this and so we kind of took a chance like three years ago and scheduled a bunch of courses and you know we were getting more interest you know we still weren't really booking um or getting the interest that we thought it should be at but um you know, it was still a pretty, um, pretty busy winter to, you know, fast forward to now, I, you know, I haven't guided in three years and Will really hasn't, he might've done a day or a couple of days last year, but you know, to this winter where, you know, we were, we were making our schedule over the summer and fall, you know, trying to get things out by, by October when hopefully people are planning their snowmobile season and, and incorporating avalanche courses into it to where, we were looking at our calendar and it was filling up to where it's like, um, whether we want to or not, we can't do anything else. Um, because there's no more days left in the winter. And so we're like, we got to take another leap this winter and we're just going to do this and hopefully it works out. And, and we need to just do this, you know, the amount of focus and mental energy and, and time it's going to take to do it right, you know, to teach good courses, to kind of do stuff on the back end, you know, because like it's just Will and I answering the emails and and doing the admin stuff and all the logistics and, and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, the amount of time this is going to take, we have to just figure out how to, how to make it work um, for the winter. And so, you know, 
this winter has been really busy. Um, I can't believe it's February already. It's really flown by, but you know, we started uh, teaching courses like the first week of December. Um, a lot of them are local, you know, and so, or at least within an hour's drive. And so, you know, a typical day is, well, leading up to the course, you know, there's some, some work we do ahead of time and, and we've been doing some uh, virtual sessions. And so we're learning how to teach on Zoom in the evenings from our house and then look, really looking forward to the field days and, um, you know, driving to the trailheads. And um, we've had, I mean, we've had a course almost every week since the beginning of the season. And so um, it feels like a full-time job and it's one that I really love, you know, it's like the perfect mix of being busy, but, you know, like, you know, they say like when you love your job, it doesn't really feel like one. And so it's honestly been, you know, one of the best winners as far as like a, a work balance. Um, you know, I think to to date, we've probably taught three or four level ones and three or four rescue courses. And we've had some other work in between. We've, you know, shadowed some uh, pro courses and instructor training courses. And, um, you know, so we've been talking about avalanches on our snowmobile pretty much every week since the beginning of the season. And it's been great. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, Matt, you also kind of talked about how this company has just been in, you know, stages and steps and a lot of work. Um, do you want to, would you mind talking a little bit about the permits and insurance and how you go about doing that for your company? Yeah. So the, the behind the scenes, the back end of, um, you know, getting an avalanche course providership off the ground and legit and legal and all that stuff um, is a lot, um, you know, and, and that was honestly one of the most important things that we wanted to make sure we did right from the beginning because um, we really want to be established and, um, you know, uh, build a good reputation and, and be consistent. You know, we want people to know that they can come take avalanche courses um, with us every year and that, you know, we're not going anywhere. So, you know, f most of our courses, I mean, like probably all of them, a lot like ski guiding or any winter backcountry sport, whether it's heli skiing or whatever happens on a national forest. And so you have, you know, permitting and, and dealing with kind of the, the federal side of things. Um, and, you know, that needs to be done. You know, if you do, if you operate any kind of operation on the national forest for money without a permit, it's a pretty big deal. Um, and we, you know, we wanted to make sure that we didn't screw up there at all. And that took, um, probably a whole year, you know, I think honestly, like Will and I will tell people that we could have started a year earlier. Um, if we didn't have to wait for our forest service permitting. Um, and in order to get forest service permitting, you need to have, you know, liability insurance for your company. And so we're like, okay, well, we'll start shopping around for general liability insurance for a motorized avalanche, uh, education business. And then the insurance companies were like, what's that? That sounds pretty dangerous. Um, I don't think we want to get into that. Wait a minute. So you're, you're out 
in avalanches on your snowmobile? And it's like, no, we're actually, you know, it's more of a training course, but we're using the snowmobiles, you know, it's, and, and so it's always been this, this dance to explain to the insurance companies what we actually do. Um, and so that's been a big hurdle. I mean, honestly, almost every year, there's a couple week period where we're like, you know, these big companies that are writing business insurance for what they consider high risk sports, any minute they could just shut our whole operation down. You know, you can't, you can't get a forest service permit without insurance and the insurance is really hard to get. Um, and it's, it's, it's so new that no one's heard of it. You know, I mean, on the, on the permit applications and the insurance applications, it's got heli skiing, it's got backcountry, you know, mountaineering, it's got all these other things that you could just check the box and they have, a, you know, a policy for you, but it's like, there's no box for snowmobile avalanche courses. And, um, you know, so like, that's just an example of this being so new that, like we can't look to other people for a precedent, you know, it's kind of like we're, you know, in a lot of ways we're like, we're the first people to do it. So we have to figure out how to, you know, how to do it to where, um, you know, that's kind of what I was saying earlier. There's always been these challenges. Like we'll have one little, you know, one win here and there. We're like, Oh great. We accomplished this goal. And then, all right, what's next? Oh, you know, something else is, is going to shut us down or keep us from, from operating. And so, um, but you know, we've gotten the hang of it. Um, we operate on like four different forests now, you know, we've gotten pretty good at permit applications. Um, you know, I, I think we, you know, there might be one or two insurance companies in the whole country that understand what we're doing. And luckily we've found some good people there that will stand behind us and it doesn't cripple the business. And, you know, the main thing is we just want to be able to do it right. Like we didn't want to be a fly by night company that, um, you know, disappeared the following year, um, you know, because of something like that happening, you know? So, um, we're really trying to do it right so we can be in it for the long haul because we want somebody to be able to depend on us for their education when they're ready for it. And so we want to be here every year. You know, we've learned a lot before you just get out on the snow and start instructing and talking about what you love. You know, that's like the easy part. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm sure the the hundreds of snowmobilers that um, have gone through the course with the two of you are extremely appreciative of all that hard work and, and the company and the ideas and, and your guys' knowledge and sharing it with them. So I think that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, Will, after teaching this motorized specific course for so many years, what are some observations that you've seen um, from the snowmobilers as you, as you implement this curriculum or what's your favorite part of, you know, teaching this community? Uh. <clears throat> Well, one of my favorite things is just seeing after they take an avalanche course, um, them recognizing some things that they've already been doing the right way. Um, and then seeing some things that they're like, okay, I need to change the way I do this to be a better backcountry rider. Um, and like, honestly, one of the biggest things is like how to just read a public bulletin. And then what does that bulletin mean for me for my day? So like translating, the public bulletin into a trip plan 
um, so that they can go out and ride making educated, informed decisions as opposed to impulsive decisions. Um, because I think that's kind of the number one way that snowmobilers die in avalanches, making impulsive decisions. Um, you know, it's not, you know, a lot of our course focuses on the forecast and terrain and understanding that we can classify terrain so that, you know, people at the same level of training can speak the same language when you're out there and it can be a discussion and everybody can have a voice and an opinion and, um, and make good decisions in that way. You know, I don't think I'm making another kind of gross or generalization here, but I don't think many of the avalanche fatalities in the snowmobile industry were because a snowmobiler misjudged the specific persistent weak layer and where, where it was in the terrain. Like, I think it's, it's a lot of impulsive decisions that, um, or just, just, you know, um, innocent ignorance, just not knowing that they're in avalanche terrain. And so I think that's a, a really big takeaway when somebody takes a formal avalanche course is like, you know, 30 degrees. That's kind of the number we, we hammer into people's minds. And like, you know, we got to train our, our eyeballs to see avalanche train and we got to train our groups so that we, when we, when we approach train like that, we are riding as a team. And, and that starts from the time we leave the trucks or even before we leave the trucks um, to when we get back. And so I think that's been a really cool takeaway. And, you know, a lot of students will come and a lot of students will come with their riding partners. And then sometimes we'll get, you know, a single who, you know, is like, I'm going to go back and I, I'm going to completely change the way I talk with my riding partners and how uh, we make a plan for the day. And, you know, I'm going to make sure that like we're doing a trailhead check every day because that can save lives. And I'm going to make sure that we're having a discussion about the avalanche forecast and the weather forecast and having a discussion about why we're going, where we're going on a specific day. And a lot of times those other riding buddies that weren't there for that guy's first course, they're there the next year taking a course with us, um, which is, which has been really cool. Excellent. I've, I feel like I could talk to you guys you know, for another hour or so <laughs> with all of your knowledge and experience and, and the really amazing things that you've done. But I'm wondering if each of you wouldn't mind um, sharing with us all maybe a near miss, a close call, or some lessons learned that you've had um, with your many years out snowmobiling in the backcountry. Will, you want to take it away? Yeah, sure. Um, so I had a near miss I think it was year two guiding in the mountains. So kind of by year two, I was guiding primarily off trail snowmobile trips. And, you know, I was a young guide. I was 22, 23 years old. And I, th I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I had a pretty good understanding of avalanche problems. And I thought I had a pretty good idea of, um, of terrain. Um, when you start as a snowmobile guide, it's, it's, uh, nobody shows you where the good spots are. You're kind of, it's up to you to go find the good snow for your clients. And it's up to you to go explore Togedy, which is like 2.3 million acres. So, I mean, you can, you can ride for years and never touch the same snow. Um, so there was a day in, I think it was 2014. Um, I was exploring a new zone that I had kind of looked at maps and thought it might be cool to go ride and check out. 
And um, we had, I had to get across this big drainage that was definitely avalanche terrain um, to kind of get up into these pocket meadows and super fun riding zones that we could see in the distance. And I was trying to find a ridge because I knew ridges were fairly safe places to uh, move through steep terrain. And from kind of up the drainage, I thought I spotted a, a place where I could drop down and take my group through. And so I started my way down and I kind of had my group hang back, um, trying to do good group management always when we're in avalanche train. And I'm kind of like edging forward, kind of like peering over my ski loops. And the next thing I know, there's like a pickup truck size chunk of snow cornice just falling away from underneath me. Um, and my snowmobile is just leaning down, tipping down and, I jumped off my sled and like went back uphill as best I could. And I, I got really lucky. Uh, my, my snowmobile got stuck in the dirt. It didn't actually go for a ride down this, this slope. Um, but that huge chunk of snow triggered a, a big avalanche down below it into a terrain trap. Um, I thought I knew where I was and I, I didn't. And the only reason, you know, I don't, it's hard to look back and I had so much adrenaline going through my, my blood at the time that it's hard to go back and think really clearly about the, the incident, but I don't think it was big enough to have killed me, but I definitely would have been really messed up. Um, and somebody was looking over my shoulder that day cause I just had dumb, dumb luck. And that was, that was a turning point. That was really kind of the, the time when I was like, Holy crap, like I'm supposed to be a professional and I just made a huge mistake. I need to seek out training so that I can keep doing this without putting myself in harm's way. And absolutely from keeping my guests safe, you know? And, um, yeah, that, that incident was a huge wake up call for me. And that, that is definitely what triggered my, um, desire to become more dialed with avalanches and to seek out as many courses as I could possibly take. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that with us. Will. yeah, of course. How about you, Matt? Um, yeah. So as Will was telling his story, I, I was just thinking about, I have kind of so many, I guess, near misses or just have had realizations where I look back and realized what I didn't know or how lucky I got. Um, and I kind of want to just share two of them because the two that always stand out in my mind and, Um, the first one, you know, was guiding probably around the same time, you know, just, just as many years into it. And, you know, the, the professional guiding industry and snowmobiling is just, you know, it's not that well developed. And so, you know, you're able to lead groups into terrain on your own without much, you know, formal, formal education and, it's not as developed as, you know, the rest of the backcountry world yet. Um, but, you know, luckily that's changing. But anyway, you know, it was a typical um, gray, low visibility day um, up on Togedy Pass. And I had a group um, and we were coming back down kind of the zone we were riding in in the, in the afternoon and, you know, snow started coming in and the visibility went from like, you know, minimal to non-existent and to the point where, you know, I was, we were kind of coming down these, these, um, benches of meadows 
you know, it's kind of two or three benches. And then the very last one, you know, brings you down to the valley floor where you can get on the trail that's marked with orange stakes to get home. Um, and it got to the point where the visibility was so bad. I mean, you, you know, I'm going like one mile an hour trying to find where the drop to on the last bench is. Um, and it, it's, it's fairly important because um, if you don't drop in the right spot, you can you can be in some pretty short but steep significant avalanche terrain um you know significant enough that you know you could be buried and and so i'm kind of you know navigating you know rail you know just recognize and being like you know am i where i think i am like i think i drop here and so you know i kind of found where i thought i wanted to drop um and you know, and I couldn't see, so I could only tell that I'm I'm dropping by the by the feel because there's just no visibility. And so again, my group's behind me, and I start to roll over the edge. And I'm like, all right, well, if this is the drop I think it is, it should only last about fifty to seventy five feet, and then I'm going to be in the flats, and I'm going to be good. Um, and I I was probably. I'd say 50 yards off from where I really wanted to drop. And about halfway down, um, I felt the slope break away and I was being carried by an avalanche. Um, You know, luckily where I was on the slope uh, was not the biggest part of it. Um, So when I got to the bottom, the snow had buried me to basically like just above my knees so it had covered up, you know, it came, it, the debris piled up to, above my running boards and, you know, covered me standing on my snowmobile to my knees. And, you know, I realized that, okay, I'd gotten really lucky, but, you know, realizing where I was, if I was another 50 to 75 yards over, I would have been on a big enough part of the slope that that much snow would have probably fully buried me. Um, and my group, you know, was up at the top and they couldn't see me cause the visibility was, you know, zero and, and they didn't know where I was. And so, you know, if I had been fully buried, I would have probably not had much help. Um, and so that was definitely, a, you know, a wake up call just because, you know, without knowing it, my margins were so tight and, and where I had to drop with the conditions. And at the time I was, you know, not really aware of, you know, it was early in my career. I didn't have a good grasp of, of, um, you know, picking a route based on the conditions and things like that. Like knew, knowing what I knew, I, you know, I would have just gone a completely different spot to not have to put myself in that situation at the end of the day. Um, so that, you know, that was, I guess, one of the main near misses just because, you know, it was the only time I was ever partially buried. And then I was not too far off from being more buried um, with no rescue team that I had confidence in behind me. Um, And then, you know, the second one is looking back at my first season in the mountains. I, I talked about how I uh, would go ride, off trail and backcountry on my days off from trail guiding just to get better at the sport. And I remember my boss at the time down in steamboat being like, Hey, if you're going to keep doing this, you need to um, take this with you. And he tossed me a, a tracker DTS avalanche beacon, like one of the old didn't even have the big red button. It had like a little red button on it. So it was like the first DTS ever. 
And I'm like, what's this? He's like, oh, it's an avalanche beacon. You know, we, you need to wear those if you're going, you know, riding off trail. And I was like, oh, well, this is cool. Because I had my shovel and my probe in my backpack. I didn't know how to use them. I just thought it kind of looked cool and felt cool to carry that stuff around. Um, and now I had an avalanche beacon and I was like, wow, you know, I'm a, I'm, I guess I feel cool. And it was, I think back about what I was thinking at the time and realizing like a lot of the times I was going riding by myself or I was the only one with the avalanche beacon. And I'm like, you know what, when he gave me that avalanche beacon, I felt cool, but all that was, was a body recovery device because if you know, I didn't even know how to use it. I could turn it on and wear it. And if I was by myself or I was with other people that didn't have one, like I didn't even realize that it was going to do me no good. Um, and so, I mean, that's just looking back. Like I had no idea at the time, but I was just basically strapping a body recovery device on me and it wasn't going to do anything for me. So those are just two things that I reflect on a lot and, um, I'm always humbled by. And, um, you know, I, I just want to always never, re, never forget that because everybody is in that position at one time or another. And, um, you, you can just, the only thing you can do is, is start learning or keep learning. Well, guys, I can't thank you enough, um, for all that wonderful information and insight and kind of your journey. And then how you've seen the cultural and industry change, um, over time. So it's pretty pretty incredible. Um, is there anything else that either of you would like to add before we, we finish here? That, um, winter's just getting good. Um, we're, we're stoked. The jet stream has finally came down out of Canada and, um, February's turning on for most of us around here and, you know, the, the riding's good. So, you know, let's get out there and shred some pow and stay safe. And, um, you know, we, we're just always looking forward to, to seeing new people in our courses and um, keeping the stoke high. Yeah. And I guess the, the doom and gloom side, the safety side of me is that it's been a weird year this year. Um, you know, there's been a lot of places that haven't gotten snow until now and they're sketchy snowpacks across the West right now. And we've been unfortunately seeing that in some of our recent fatalities. So um you know, if you don't have the education, seek it out, try to get on a, in a course. Um, and if you have it, keep, keep the terrain, uh, in check, make sure it's appropriate for the day. Um, uh, because we're all trying to get after it and send it right now. Cause we're finally getting some good snow, but, um, the mountains aren't quite welcoming us in right now. All right. Thanks guys. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. Yeah. That was sure a fun interview. I hope everyone enjoyed it and learned a lot from Will and Matt. Those two are making a huge impact in the motorized world of avalanche education. Thanks so much to you both for taking the time to share with us your story. Thanks again to M&D Safety, our good friends at Tim Barrel Brewing, as well as Interwest Insurance. Thanks also to Tubi Outerwear for your support. If you like riding deep powder and staying dry, Tubi is for you. This past season, I've really enjoyed my Tubi Fingo bibs and jacket. It's durable, comfortable, and sure is stylish. Thanks, Tubi. If you enjoyed this episode, please take the extra step to subscribe, rate, and review us. And please be sure to tell a friend.
The Fawn theme music is by Ketza. You can find more of their tracks at ketza.uk. Thanks also to Mike T for the amazing artwork. Check him out at www.miket.com. Make sure to tune in for our next episode dropping Thursday, May 20th. To ensure you don't miss out on any of these amazing episodes, please follow us on Instagram at the Avalanche Hour Podcast. We are also on Facebook. So until next time, stay tuned, stay safe, and keep having fun out there.